it's about that time. For the inside trim. You know that nasty trim. Don't wind up on your back, bro. Are you ready? You better be ready, bro. Because you're about to get inside trip. And we're back. What's up, wrestling fans? All right, wrestling fans. Yes, we are back. This is the Inside Trip Wrestling Podcast, episode number 25. We're back a little earlier than normal. Uh, my name is Brandon Olinger, and as always, I am joined by my co-host, Ben Watson. What up, what up, what up? What is up, Ben? We're Man, back early. I'm back in this room. It's like Groundhog Day all it over is. again. It is. <laughs> I can't leave. And, you know... I'm glad to be back because I just love talking wrestling to you, man. Absolutely. All right. So listen, as I said, this is the Inside Trip Wrestling Podcast. I think I screwed up talking wrestling to you. Keep you want to talk to wrestling? Yeah, keep going, man. We get it. All right. <laughs> All right. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at the Inside Trip One. If you want to send us an email, do so to the Inside Trip One at gmail.com. If you're listening to this podcast, you know where to find us. Subscribe, download, listen, rate, review, all that good stuff. We love to hear from you. But anyway, as I said, we are back a little earlier than normal. As you know, just a few days ago, we put out episode number 24, where we did a little recap of the U.S. Open and the Women's World Team Trials. And we are just so lucky, or should I say, we just happen to be lucky enough yeah, to have somebody who competed in the Women's World Team Trials this weekend join us tonight for a little interview. That's right. It was an awesome interview. Uh, Brandon, you know, if you don't mind me spilling the beans, Jenna Burkett, uh, uh, she's uh, competed in the 63 kilograms for the Women's World Team Trials. Uh, she came on and spoke with us, and I thought it was a great interview. What do you think? I thought it was fantastic. A lot of great insight. Um, uh, I tell you what, it surprised me. She, she, her personality surprised me a little bit. For Did the it? better. For the better. Yeah, okay. absolutely for the better. Um, so, but, no, I mean, she was, she, was a, she was a very good interview. Very fun to talk to. Very nice to talk to. And, uh, you know, very accomplished wrestler and person. I agree completely. You know? Um, so as Ben said, she competed this weekend at 63 kilograms. Don't think she had the tournament that she would have liked to have had. Oof, she yeah. ultimately went two and two. She took fourth at 63 kilograms. Um, she lost a heartbreaker in the semis to the eventual champion of that weight class, Mallory Velt. Um, it, it is what it is. She's going to kind of go into that for you here in just a bit. You'll get to, get a chance to listen to that. So before we put that on, Ben, you got anything else you want to add? No, man. Let's put it on. Okay. All right. Well, here we go. All right, everybody. Tonight we are joined by Jenna Burkett, a representative of the Army World Class Athlete Program. She just competed in this weekend's Women's World Team Trials. Jenna, thanks for joining us tonight. How are you? I'm doing awesome. Thank you for having me. No, not a problem. Thanks again. Thanks for joining us. Um, so, uh, had you had a big weekend this weekend? Big tournament. How's the body feeling? Body's hurting. I actually, um, I hurt my knee in my third place match, so I'm just uh, kind of taking this week to recover. But um, you know, that comes to sport. So, <laughs> you are right. A lot of ups and downs and uh, bruises and stuff that come with that. Um, exactly. So, hey, uh, before we get started here, it looks like uh, looks like you got a birthday coming up soon, right? <laughs> I do. Hey, we're stalkers. <laughs> I'm just How old are you going to be? I'm turning 24. Oh, she's getting old. <laughs> I know. I, I still feel like I'm a junior, though. So. <laughs> ah, well, hey, well, happy birthday. 
What we traditionally thank you. What we traditionally do here for people when they come on for their birthdays, we sing them happy birthday. But we're not going to do that right now. <laughs> Maybe some point later. I don't know. Yeah, Ben's only one, right. Ben's only one beer down. It's going to take him a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got to play catch up then. <laughs> <laughs> so again, you know, thanks for joining us. Um, uh, you know. I'm obviously sure you got better things to do than talk to us goofballs. Um, anyway, you know, I, as you know, we were very fortunate enough to have Catherine uh, Fulp Allen, a.k.a. Catherine Shy, kind of put us in touch with you. Um, uh, very appreciative of that. So I want to say thanks to Catherine, too, as well. Um, how long have you known Catherine? I've known Catherine probably dating back to 2009. Um, she's been an excellent Excellent friend of mine, just a great role model for the sport. And, uh, you know, since she's been done wrestling, she's uh, making some great waves promoting uh, women's wrestling with the Rest Like a Girl Foundation. Oh, uh, we agree completely. Um, we were very fortunate that Catherine kind of reached out to us and asked about doing some collaboration work and uh, kind of excited about some potential things that are kind of come up where maybe we can, can collaborate with her and wrestle like a girl and even her uh, side project, Lucha Fit. I think we're actually going to have Catherine on here in, the, here in a few weeks, so that'll be cool. Okay, awesome. Yeah, <laughs> she's a funny lady. Yes. Make sure you call her Kathy. That's her favorite nickname. <laughs> are, are, you, are you setting me up? Are you setting me up? <laughs> I wouldn't be a New Yorker if I wasn't trying yeah, to. Yeah, I was going to say. Somehow, somehow I believe that that's not accurate. All right. <laughs> um, all right, so speaking of your birthday, tell us. Give us the dirt. What do you, what's the big plans? Well, I'm actually heading to Florida the uh, on, on Thursday, so I'm going to spend a vacation time there. Um, you know, my uh, my events, as Aaron Golston likes to call them, always uh, always leads to good things. So I think whatever I do, <laughs> it's going to be a it's going to be a fun time, right? Always. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so um, going back to your your tournament this weekend, I'm sure you're probably not, you know, I'm sure let's just be blunt about it. I'm sure you're not happy about how it finished out. Um, you you know, we were kind of watching you. We've watched your matches. You had a real nice come from behind win against Randy Belts in the opening round. Uh, kind of gutted that one out. Um, the second match, I mean, that was a heartbreaker. Can you can you kind of talk us through that match? You know, it was a tough one point loss to eventual you know eventual champ Mallory Velt. What what was kind of going on in the mat in that match for you? Um, you know that match I think took me a little by surprise. I think the whole weight class took me by surprise. I don't know if I anticipated that they were going to feel stronger or some sort. Traditionally, I'm at sixty kilos, wrestled fifty eight for the Olympic year. Um, but the, you know. When I rewatch the match, it's it's a boring match. Uh, to me, it was lots of hand fighting, and I, you know, I felt like I, in my opinion, I felt like I controlled the whole match. And my hand fighting, you know, eventually led her to take that dive in shot. And there was that one position where she shot in, and I was in a crossbow situation. And then mm-hmm. my coach was telling me one thing, and and I was, you know, trying. It was like I spent too much time thinking about it. And then before I knew it, my um my hips like slipped off of her and then she was able to get that too. And that was, that was pretty much the whole match. And so once she scored that too, you know, it was hard for me to, it was hard for me to get a takedown, even though I did get to her legs about three times, but it's hard to finish on her. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, Ben and I were actually just rewatching the match before we called you. And 
Um, you know, in both of our opinions, like you said, A, I thought you were giving up some size to Mallory, but you were still finding a way. I mean, you, were, in my opinion, you were winning the hand fighting battle. Um, you were able to score first with, uh, you know, but with the shot clock issue that she, you know, she, she got put on the clock and couldn't score. Um, but once you got hit for, hit for passivity in the second period, did you feel the need that that's when you kind of took that knee pull single shot, right? And she defended it, got into yeah, a, little, a little and, bit of a and that was, yep. And that was kind of the mistake when I talked it over with my coach, I was like, cause I, I thought that I had been on the clock. And so, which even, so even if I'm on the clock, it doesn't mean I necessarily got to shoot. So I felt like that was, um, you know, a kind of a rookie mistake on my part. I should have kept to the original game plan. Um, but yeah, we kind of got in that scramble situation and it was frustrating. It was like, as soon as the match was over, I was like looking for another minute on the clock. Cause I, I, I just felt like I controlled the whole match. So I was, I was frustrated for sure. Yeah. I mean, in my opinion, I think, I, I think you probably out wrestled her for you, what, the 80, 80, 90% of that match until, until that one issue where you kind of walked into that single leg shot she took. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you mentioned that you didn't expect them to feel as strong as they did. And that was kind of one of my kind of questions I wanted to ask you. I was curious, you, you normally wrestle 60 kilograms. What, what made you decide to go up to 63? Honestly, it was, um, it was a last week decision. I was, um, just the weight was having a little bit of a hard time to be, you know, to be quite frank. Um, and, uh, you know, like so, I wasn't afraid. My, my my coach from Northern Michigan, you know, Shannon Gillespie, he used to. I used to be weighing 128 pounds, and he would enter me in the tournament at 139 pounds. So, wrestling up was never been something that I had an issue with because I I always feel like I'm stronger than pretty much everyone I wrestle. Um, but I think in my head, I I was like, I just was a little bit more nervous that they were going to feel a little bit stronger. Because once I got into the hand fights with just about, I mean, I'd say, I'd say Randy Belts was my hardest hand fight, like, you know, my match, because she was hard to move. Everyone else, I felt like I could move pretty easily. But yeah. it'll take some time. I'll, I'll probably plan on growing into that weight class or whatever the weight is that they, you know, they change it to after, uh, after this world championships. Right. Right. Makes sense. You know, you mentioned that you felt like, felt pretty good, like you were moving people. It's funny. I was... I was watching some of your matches over the last couple of weeks and your style, I mean, it, don't take, I, this is not an insult. This is actually a compliment in my mind. You, you have what I would classify as kind of a brawler style. I mean, you're constantly moving forward and attacking. Um, it's obviously, it's obvious that you love your front headlock. Um, you're not afraid, <laughs> you're not afraid to go upper body. And uh, when you get a leg lace, you're pretty dangerous with that. I told Ben, I was like, if I was going to describe her style, if I'm getting in a street fight, she's somebody I'm picking first to be on my team. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't take offense at all. I mean, I see pride in that. That was something that, um, that that's just, you know, I, I, I like the Iowa style. I just, I like the aggressiveness and I like the hand fight. And I, I really think that's just the, one of the best ways to, you know, control the match. That's kind of why I was, you know, upset that I didn't wrestle 60 because I thought, you know, a, you know, Allie Regan's one of my good friends and I thought it would be real fun to have someone who's more of a finesse wrestler, wrestler, a, a more brawler of a style. Uh, so unfortunately that matchup didn't happen, but yeah, I mean, I like to beat the crap out of people and I want to make sure they feel uncomfortable. That's definitely, that's been my style for probably since I've, I've got on the senior level since 2010, 2011. 
Yeah, I watched a highlight video of you that's on the internet today, and you were just kicking the crap out of everybody. So, uh, <laughs> no, so I agree. That, I agree with Brandon. This has been uh, that you kind of have that uh, brawler mentality with a little bit of, you know, with with obviously very solid technique. So I guess one question I have, and you actually answered it, or at least started to answer it during that last uh, um, conversation. Do you regret going sixty three? Would do you wish now? You know, if you had to do it over again, you would have gone sixty. Um, you know, I think the national, you know, to be honest, I think the national team at 60 is kind of, kind of a joke besides, you know, n- nothing against Allie. Obviously Allie's a, you know, world silver medalist, but you know, after Allie, it's, you know, Allie's the beginning and end of that weight class. Uh, do I regret going 63? No, because I, I thought I still could have won 63. Um, and I think it was, in my opinion, it had a little bit, it had more depth in the tournament. And so, uh, you know, if, if I'm not trying to beat the best in the States, then, you know, I, why the heck even go to the World Championships? So, no, I, I don't regret going 63. Have you ever wrestled Allie in a in a match? Like, uh, not just we, in the room? We've wrestled a, a, at 63 kilos, actually, back in, um, I think it was 2013. And um, that was a really close match, too. It was like a one-point match dot 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 until i had walked into a headlock and it was uh it's actually how i got my cauliflower in my left ear oh so <laughs> so she can shout it so you you can actually pinpoint to a one specific move in a year that gave you that cauliflower <laughs> ouch that yeah. must have freaking hurt <laughs> walked right into it and as soon as i left the match i it was i was like yep yep thank you Allie. <laughs> no that girl can that girl can ball a little bit too though i would like to see a match between you two for sure <laughs> For sure, that'd be a fun one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's let's kind of get into a little bit of your background. Let's a little bit of the history here. I'm always very curious how what got people into wrestling, and I'm more interested or more curious of, of what got our you know our our women's athletes into wrestling as well. So, yeah. t- my understanding is you started wrestling young. Um, how old were you when you got started wrestling, and kind of what got you started? So I started when I was six years old. Uh, there was flyers going around in my class, and I obviously took one because I was always a kind of a tomboyish, kind of you know rough on the edges kind of kid. And this kid in my class named Raymond like ripped the paper out of my hand actually, and he was like, "Jenna, you know you can't do that. You're a girl." Oh boy! And I ripped the paper back, and I was like, "Yeah, well, watch me." And you know, of course, I went home and I like, begged my mom and my dad and and my mom is like she's just getting fed up with me and she's like Jenna you know you're going to be the only freaking girl and i was like yeah mom what's your point and um and so she let me she let me join and uh, the rest is history i kind of started and i started winning from a, a really early age um actually my first loss ever uh was when i was 9 years old to a girl i went to the girls usgwa states and and i was i thought this was going to be a walk in the park cuz i'd been you know undefeated wrestling boys and then i go and i lose to a girl and i was i couldn't believe it cuz i was like <laughs> i didn't realize there was other girls like me i was like wow <laughs> shoot <laughs> so so you kind of mentioned your mom was a little apprehensive at first um how long did it take for your parents to finally like you know really get involved with it or you know accept it I mean, they, they were just the the first, you know, couple hesitant conversations. But once I started, you know, they they fortunately supported me in, in everything that I do. But it was the it was the other people that, 
you know, it's kind of a similar story to I'm sure most girls have, you know, wrestling the boys. They, you know, they didn't like it and they especially don't like it when you win. It, it threatens, you know, it threatens the authority almost. Um, so, you know, my parents were on board and my mom, I can remember used to buy like all these wrestling textbooks and then put like a brown, uh, you know, like grocery store paper bag over like a book cover so that the other like, uh, boy's parents you know wouldn't see her trying to study so she was studying to try to make me a better wrestler you know i can remember being like watching tv yeah i was watching tv and she'd be like jenna hit this um gramby roll oh my goodness really (laughs) yeah i was like mom i'm not doing that but that that's so amazing though that your mom it was was that supportive of you because you know, I'm not sure that everybody had that type of support system, you know, other female athletes that, you know, that have come out for the sport, really, especially, you know, you know, as you know, wrestling, obviously, is for women has as starting to progress. But, you know, especially back, you know, five, 10 years ago. Yeah, it was it was unheard of. And I was, you know, the only one in Long Island. So, yeah, that is true. They were. um they were dedicated to try to make me the best. And it was something, you know, I, I can remember watching the Olympics on TV and just being like, I, I'm going there. I was like, I, I don't even know what sport, but I'm going to go for something. I'm <laughs> and, super. You know, oh, sorry. I, <laughs> go ahead. No, go ahead. And then no. I was saying that I, you know, I found myself in the room. <laughs> I'm, I'm super excited to hear that story about your parents. Your parents should, you know, they should go out and speak to other young girls, parents that are, you know, about wrestling, because that is awesome to hear that they were that supportive. Yeah, not only supportive, yeah, but they kinda, really embraced it. Yeah, it's kind of ridiculous. Yeah, you know, it was it was a family affair, and uh, you know, my brother's autistic, so you know, he didn't really do sports, but he was, you know, at my parents were at every single wrestling tournament, and um, you know, we would go, we'd be in Jersey on Saturday and, and Pennsylvania on Sunday, and and because I, I, I was I was thinking back to it, I was like, I was like, I can't believe how much my parents would travel. And they would, uh, you know, send me to all these wrestling camps, you know, because everyone always, everyone wants the quick and easy uh, secret to success or, you know, how'd you make a world team? How'd you, have you done this? Have you done that? And, uh, you know, it's freaking work. And, and I've been going to camps and studying the sport since, since I started the sport when I was six years old. So, um, you know, I'm definitely fortunate enough to have parents that took me all over the country for it. Yeah. I mean, it, from the sounds of it, you've definitely put your time in to be a, you know, to, to earn your success. I mean, it's obvious. Um, so I don't know. Have you had a chance to watch the new documentary on Helen Marulis? I did watch it. Yep, I did. Yeah, it was a great documentary, at least in my opinion. Um, but one of the things that I that really struck me from that documentary was how she stated that when she started wrestling, that people were all like, oh, you know, how nice for you and how cute and, you know, you're doing such a great job until she started winning. And then she kind of got some, I don't know, what would you call it, Ben? Some, some animosity. Uh, rude her. remarks, probably. Yeah. yeah. What, how receptive were people to you when you started wrestling as a youth? And how did that carry over into junior high and high school? I mean, I would say it's a similar story to Helen. But, you know, they were initially okay with it because it didn't threaten anybody. And then the more I started winning, and especially in, in junior high, because you start taking you know you got to wrestle off for positions for you know the, the, the varsity spot or you know in junior high and high school um and so that you know that's when it started to become you know an issue I, I mean I was I was you know talked about all over Long Island because you know just the more you win the more a name gets out there and 
it definitely made people uncomfortable. And, you know, I'd say around Long Island, I started to build up my name and, and then in New York built up that respect. But it was when I would go to other states that they, you know, they, they didn't want nothing to do it with me at all. And so that's where, um, you know, when, when you're a young kid, you don't really get that. You just, right. you know, you could just feel it. I, I always, you know, I think that's why I, I became this almost brawler type wrestlers because I just always had this mentality to have this chip on my shoulder because I almost felt like a freak show. You know, I, I was a female wrestler. My brother's autistic. And so, you know, he made noise and I just always felt like, I always stood out for some reason. And so, you know, I wasn't the type of person to just let things go. I was going to fight for, you know, like my right to be there. And I didn't, you know, I didn't really give a damn what anyone said. It, it is so funny that you just said what you said, because as I said earlier, you know, I've been watching some of your matches over the last couple of weeks. And one of the things that I wrote down was it looks like she wrestles with a chip on her so- shoulder. And, <laughs> to hear you say that, I mean, it, it is evident watching you wrestle. I mean, you're out there, you're on that mat, and it's almost like the mentality that this is my mat, I own this mat, and win or lose, whoever I'm wrestling is going to walk off the mat not wanting to wrestle with me again. Exactly. Yeah, that, I mean, that's that's definitely been my, um, you know, my mentality since I've been at the senior level is, um, you know, like the senior level, I I was talking over with my coach. I was like, you know, I've been top three or, you know, I was top three in the country for a long time. And especially when I was younger, I had like, I remember I beat the world silver medalist from Poland when I was like 16 over at the Klippan tournament. And, you know, I had no clue who she was, but, you know, I knew who the heck I was and I wasn't going to leave. I wasn't going to get off the mat without a fight. Um, and so, yeah, I think I, even as a, as a young kid, I, I watch matches and it's just like, I always just had this whole like spunky little attitude. And I'm like, man. <laughs> so, um, kind of, I guess, you know, talking about when you started wrestling, did you just start with like, you started with the, excuse me. Yeah. I guess I've had a couple of beers, the local youth club. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I started, uh, I started on the club team. Um, and then, uh, switched schools to wrestle for the high school team where Kerry McCoy, uh, where he wrestled. He's pretty good. And then from there, yeah, he was, he was all right. I hear, I hear. <laughs> um, and then I, uh, when I was 14 or 15, I moved to Northern Michigan to be at the USOEC program. Um, so I've been fortunate enough to have been wrestling freestyle since 2008. Wow. I mean, and to think, I mean, that's impressive because you're just now turning 24. I mean, you've been at this for a while. Um, you're literally like, uh, I mean, to me, you're like, you said you feel like a junior, you're like a junior to us and you've had so much experience already. Um, how difficult was it before that to find adequate training? And I mean, I, I would say I had really good training in, in New York. Granted, it was boys. I definitely didn't wrestle females until I moved to Northern Michigan. But, you know, the group of guys that I wrestled with, uh, one of them's at, you know, Shakur. He's um, Shakur Sheet. He was, at, he, was at, he was at Penn State. Then, yeah. I you know, I wrestled uh, guys that were at Edinburgh. Um, and then Did you go take downs with Palacio? State. <laughs> are you and palacio from the same area right pretty close not too far yeah <laughs> did you ever take him down i hope so 
I've you know I've never wrestled them. <laughs> <laughs> we we we'll try to set that up. All right. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so obviously you had some pretty good training situations, and uh, you, you most of your training was done with boys, as you said, until you went to um, North. Is it Northern Michigan? Is that where it was? Yeah, it was Northern Michigan at the time. It was the U.S. you know United States Olympic Education right. Center. Um. How old were you when you left home to go there? So I was I was 15. I was um, myself and Aaron Golson were the youngest on the team, and we're actually the youngest that they uh, they've ever led into that program. What was it like leaving home that you know that young to to go focus on your goals of being a good, good wrestler? You know, when I first met the the assistant coach Tony Deanda, when he was there, he had told me it was something I would do my senior year, and so you know I would just I just got back from the Pan Am, so I was 14, and so I was like, I got plenty of time. Um, and then a spot opened up, and they they called me, and it, it was an immediate yes. I didn't even, <laughs> I didn't have to think about it. I wasn't going to ask anybody for permission. I was, yeah, yeah, I'll go for sure. And my mom was like, you know, you don't have to talk to your dad. And you know, for me, it was a yes. And then as soon as I convinced my parents to say yes, I remember I instantly cried because I was like, "Oh crap! I said that y'all are gonna <laughs> let me go." <laughs> um, but it was it was traumatic. It was hard leaving home at that that age. But I kept telling myself, "I'm like, well, if I hate it, you know, I could just leave." And then I, you know, truth be told, I got there and I hated it. But I was too stubborn to leave because once I said I was gonna do something, I I had to do it. Um. But, you know, I kept reminding myself that, that that's what the best do. They make these sacrifices, um, you know, for the ultimate goal, which is, you know, to win the Olympics. And I knew that that was something like gymnasts do and swimmers do. Point. And so I was, yeah, I was, you know, I was ready to make that sacrifice. And as hard as it was for my family, I think, you know, we were all trying to look at the, the bigger picture. Is your brother older or younger than you? He's older, yeah. He he just turned 29. Okay, and, and, and you said that. It was kind of like, so was it hard to leave him? Because obviously you said that he's autistic. You know, was that something that went into play kind of as a factor? Yeah, because I'm really close with my brother. And so I had no idea what he, you know, what he thought. And, uh, you know, I still don't. And I, and I talked to him on FaceTime or he'll, you know, he'll see me with him on FaceTime. Uh, so, you know, now he gets it because it's been so many years since I've been gone. But that was something that definitely, uh, you know, it it, you know, I feel it's obviously very important to me, and to think that I left my family and my home and my high school and and everything—it was like all the stresses you could possibly have. I, like I did it all in one year. You know, it's funny you're you're telling us this story, and I'm sitting here thinking uh, I'm the father of a six-year-old girl, and it's like there's no love, like like a like the love a dad has for his daughter. I, I can't imagine what your dad was going through. Did he take it well? It, yeah. It, ultimately, <laughs> you know what I mean. Like, not like at first, not that first year because I cried so much. So they, it, to them, it didn't even seem like I was happy. And because I mean, I remember I'd just go to the guidance counselor office and I would just sit there and and I was miserable. But I was just, you know, being stubborn is probably one of my uh, best and worst qualities about myself. And I, I just refused to give in and 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 leave. I just, I couldn't I couldn't handle that. And so I just kept trucking along and. You know, eventually, obviously, I made friends and started to adapt to the school. And once I realized that I was home just about every month or my parents would come to wrestling tournaments, it started to not seem like that big of a deal. And so once that first year was out of the way, it, it all became a lot easier. 
So, so you, I mean, looking at your list of accomplishments, I mean, you have quite the res- resume for a, you know, as a youth and cadet and junior, what, what you were a three-time junior world team member, correct? Is that right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm mm-hmm. not mistaken, I think I read someplace where you might have, you were the first U.S. woman wrestler at the Youth Olympics. Is that true? Yeah, that, yep, that's true. <laughs> you did your homework. <laughs> and that was in, was that in Singapore? Yep, that was in Singapore, 2010. Yeah, see? All right, I get an A for my homework too, baby. <laughs> we did our homework. <laughs> <laughs> I never did homework in school, but I did it for this. <laughs> no. So, I mean, obviously you left home at age 15. At what age did you start getting real serious about wrestling? Did you, That you realized this is what I want to focus on, this is my passion? Probably when I was when I was like twelve, because I remember I had I had to pick between like lacrosse and you know that's a huge Long Island sport, just to kind of like be more dedicated to one. And I knew wrestling was where it was at. Um, but I guess you know the where I took it even another level of seriousness was when I decided to go to Northern Michigan. So Makes when sense. I was fifteen, you know that was when I was like, all right, I'm ready to I'm ready to give it all, and if it pays out it pays out but you know i mean it all, it all works out in the end because i've gotten all this experience and so to me like it's frustrating that obviously i haven't been on an olympic team or i haven't been on all the world teams i want to be on but um you know i just feel like these are all stepping stones and, and it'll pay off one way or another it'll pay off but you were on the 2014 senior role team correct yeah, but I didn't get a medal, so it's not enough. <laughs> Understandable, but talk talk to us about that experience. <laughs> what you learned from that? Um, I mean, I would say that I the biggest thing I took away from it was that I needed to start stop giving more credit to my opponents than I when I was giving. You know, I wrestled that Japanese girl, and you know that match still kind of haunts me because when I rewatched that match, you know, I was. I was getting to the to her legs and I just couldn't finish and I think it's like you you go out there and you know you you do all these things you do all the weight cut you do all the weight training everything and then if if you don't fully believe when you step on that mat it, it's it's just not enough it's like I feel, I feel like I wasted the whole summer because as soon as I you know I stepped on that mat it was like oh, I was wrestling Japan and I don't think I fully believed in myself whereas I was like you know what I should I wish I would have went out there trying to beat the crap out of her What's it like to wrestle a girl from Japan? Because they're basically, I mean, they're the Russia or Iran of of women's wrestling, right? Oh yeah, I mean it's it's certainly it's certainly intimidating, you know, because they you you look at them and you think legacy. You don't even they could be some scrub that they just give a dang finger to, but you're still gonna think a legacy because they're from Japan. Um, you know, and I hope that in due time that that's how people will look at the United States, you know, we'll start bringing home these medals and people will start to think that everybody in our country is like that. But, you know, when you wrestle Japan, you wrestle legacy. And, you, you know, when I when I think Japan, I think technique and I think perfection, perfectionist, and I think, you know, like sassy. Those are the things that that's, that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> yeah. So Okay, so you made the senior world team in 2014. It's now 2017, and I don't think you've made a world team since. Talk to me about that. I mean, just hearing you say that, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't sit well with me. It, it, it burns. It, and as dramatic as it sounds, it, it, it burns in my heart. It doesn't feel right. I feel like, you know, I was looking, I had wrote a note to myself 
on my flight back from Vegas this past weekend. And I just said that I was, you know, I said, wrote to myself that I'm, I'm too dedicated and I'm too determined and I'm all these things to just to not be on this world team. I, it doesn't sit well with me that I'm not the 2017 world team member. Um, and the only way that I can fix it is, is making the 2018 world team. And, you know, that's a freaking year away, but you know, I got to start now. I got to start right now. Even, you know, cause as soon as I lost Olympic trials, it took me a couple of weeks and then I wrote, all right, I'm going to be the 2017 world team member. And so when I went off to basic training and I was doing all my military tasks, I was you know, thinking about being the 2017 world team member. So to think that I didn't fulfill that goal, it, it just doesn't sit well with me. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I don't even know what to say because I've never been in that type of situation before, but I know it has to sting. But it sounds like you've got the right frame of, frame of mind right now. I mean, it is what it is. You, you didn't have the, the outcome that you wanted this weekend, but you're ready to go back to work and start preparing for next year. So that can only be a good thing. Um, you know, you talked about you had to stop giving too much respect to your opponents when, when you made that world team. I've read that you are a big proponent of wrestling overseas as much as possible. Can you expand on that? Do you feel that that U.S. wrestlers, specifically women's wrestlers, gives too much credit to international wrestlers? Oh, 100%. I, I think we give way too much credit. If you look at our national team, almost compared to a majority of all the other countries, I think that we have the most depth and, and the best national team. You know, if you look at Canada, you know, maybe they have their, their number one girl, their best girl. That's it. You look at ours, you, like you get the, the one, two, the three, the four, they're all tough opponents. And so to think that when we go overseas and we're just not meddling, it's, I mean, it's, it's just, it's just not enough. You know, we have these national team camps and, you know, you know, USA wrestling, they put a lot of work in, into us being the, the best in the world. And we have these great camps and we have these great coaches. And so we need to get out of this mind frame of wrestling to other countries. And the more we can get overseas and, and realize that these are just, humans and you know there's nothing real special about them besides they're wearing salient wrestling shoes i think the better off world will be i think that's a great point um are you now are you a current resident athlete at the olympic training center do you live out in colorado springs yeah i live out in colorado springs but i wrestle for the you know the army world-class athlete program as well as like you know i'm also a resident at the olympic training center so um I kind of get the best of both worlds. Like, I mean, I'm part of WCAP, but I'm, I, you know, if the W, if I asked the WCAP coaches, I want to go to the OTC, you know, I, I could, and, or if the WCAP wants to bring our whole team to the OTC just to combine practices, then uh, that's something that uh, we're, we you know, we're able to do. Perfect. That sounds great. Um, how long, wh- when did you join the army? September of 2015. Oh, so, okay. Not too long ago. Um, uh, what was your decision to do that? Uh, you know, I just wanted, I, I just wanted the, the team kind of aspect. And I, I wanted, not a personal coach per se, but uh, you know, you see it at you know, the Olympic training center, you, you also have to realize that those are the national team coaches. So as much as they want you to win, they also want the guy next to you to win. And not that that's an issue. That's great for the national team. But, you know, I wanted someone that was going to get a red card if I get screwed over in a match. You know, I, right. I wanted that kind of support system. And, you know, you also got to think about it. if you mess around one year and you don't make national team, you know, you're out of a paycheck. And so I, um, I, you know, I decided to join the Army because I wanted to 
you know, make sure I could get my school paid for and I could get, a, you know, a steady paycheck that was guaranteed to me. Um, and so I joined the army and then, you know, for wrestling and then I, you know, I ended up just falling in love with being a soldier. So you're thinking the army might be a career for you then. Is that correct? Yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely a possibility. Uh, it's, you know, it's something that I think all wrestlers, we, we do so well at basic training because we're, we already have all the determination and the athleticism and the leadership skills. And so any wrestler, literally any wrestler, you throw them at basic training and, and they're successful. Yeah, I mean, you're go- the training that you go through before you get into basic training, for just the training for wrestling alone is probably makes basic training seem pretty easy, I, w- I would assume. Yeah, and and I went to basic training right after Olympic trials, and so it was a it was almost like you know I remember when I was at basic training, I was talking to my friends, and I told them that this was a less stressful environment. And my friend looked at me, and she's like, "You got to be kidding me!" She, you're going to call basic training a less stressful environment? And I was like, "Well, the last eight months, I was focused on making an Olympic team every day. I wanted it." Um, and so you know, I, I've had all the athleticism for basic training, but. You know, I'd say the only type of in- individual that doesn't do well at basic training is someone that um, is selfish. And so, you know, of course, there's people like that out there. And that was the biggest pill for me to swallow because I went to basic training just knowing that I could get myself through it and that I wasn't going to have trouble with the physical stuff. And, and there was no way that these drill sergeants could break me. And then I just started to realize that maybe the drill sergeants couldn't break me, but just the overall chaos of it all, because, you know, obviously got to put you through that, you know, it made you need people. And so that was the hardest thing for me at basic was to be like, Oh crap, I I can't, I can't actually do this alone. And I need to, I need to, you know, overcome this and and get to know these people. And obviously I wasn't great at everything, but you know, I have terrible navigation skills. I, I, you know, lived in Colorado five years and I still can't tell you how to get around. Uh, And so when I had to do land navigation at basic training, I realized I was like, crap, I actually need people to, you know, I need, I need some help. And so, yeah, at night I'd be helping people do push-ups and pull-ups and they would help me with the land navigation stuff. <laughs> That's <laughs> funny. <A little> trade-off. <laughs> you got too used to Google Maps. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you went out and you won senior nationals this pa- this year at 60 kilograms. That, that was your first tournament back in quite a while in quite a while due to army basic training and job training. Yeah. What's it like balancing, you know, obviously your wrestling career and the demands of that with also the demands now of, of a career in the army. How are you, how are you handling that? It's different, you know, and and this year has been utter chaos for me, just everything. And so I was thinking to myself, I had to take a second to almost give myself some credit because I was like, you know, if this was me a couple of years ago, there's no way I could have handled all this. I feel like I would have been overwhelmed. Um, and, you know, for me, it, it's it's part of the job. You know, I'm I'm an athlete, but I'm a soldier. You know, I'm a soldier first, and then I'm a wrestler. And so there's things that there's things that I have to do. Uh, you know, I'm not a kid just living at the training center, waking up, going to practice, and going back to bed. You know, I got things to do. Um, and so it just I think you know. When, once I went to basic and AIT, I mean, I, I love the military. I felt, you know, I was in all the leadership positions at that, you know, at basic and AIT. And, you know, I just, I just fell in love with it and, and I like organization. And so, you know, I take my job very seriously, you know, me not being number one right now, it, it, it just, it just burns a hole in me, you know, because it is my job, you know, 
you know, I'm part of the world-class athlete program and I should be number one. And so it's, it's just not enough. And so when I step on that mat, you know, I don't just represent myself or New York or Colorado, whatever, you know, like I represent the army and I'm a soldier. And so, you know, while my battle buddies are overseas and my, you know, my friends are all on tours in Poland and, and Iraq, you know, I get to wrestle and, and that's nothing to take for granted. And so for me just to not be number one, I feel like I did them, uh, you know, a dishonor almost. And that sounds so serious and maybe dramatic, but you know, that's how serious I take my, my job and I love what I do and I love what I, what I get to do. And so, you know, I'm itching to be back to number one. Um, wow. I mean, that's all I can say as well. Yeah. I think, I think Ben's getting ready to start doing push-ups. You've got him motivated. <laughs> like, literally. I think he's going to drop and do 20. <laughs> oh, gosh, no. And we're, and we're just kidding around, obviously. You know, I mean, we very much respect and thank you for, you know, everything you do and for your service. Yeah, I mean, that's a very, very honest um, and sincere response to that. That's that's fantastic. Um, I have no dick or fart jokes to, to make after that. <laughs> Jesus. <man. laughs> Did I stump you? Wow. I, I'll think of something. Hold on. I was, I, was about to start singing, right. I was about to start singing happy birthday. That's all I had. <laughs> so... so all right, let's talk to me about your, you know, the people you wrestle. I'm always curious, you know, when it comes to men's wrestling, it's, it's so easy to find information. It's so easy to, to learn about the men's wrestlers. Obviously they're in the media, you know, they dominate the media and whatnot. Who would you say is one of your biggest rivals? I mean, for a long time, it was, it was Jen Page when we were going, we were both the same weight class. Um, and I guess, you know, well, you know, she's still in the top 10 at 63, but, um, gosh, <laughs> I mean, I guess, you know, I guess right now, you know, I've, I've wrestled Maya quite a few times and, you know, at one, you know, she's beaten me just every time. I think that's the third time she's beaten me. And, um, so, I mean, I guess you call a rivalry when someone actually wins a match, but, um, <laughs> you know, anyone who's in front of me, they're not my friends. You know, I mean, we could be friends off of that, sure. But, uh, you know, I step on that, that line, you know, I'm trying to beat these people, you know. So, Mal- you know, Mallory just made this world team. And so, um, obviously, that's someone I- I'm gunning for. And, and, and uh, you know, I'm, who, anyone who's going to step in, in, across that line for me, th- those are the enemies. <laughs> Good answer. Fair. I mean, I took it away that Mallory's now the new rival, right? Yeah, definitely the new rival. Exactly. That's, that's what we're saying. <laughs> are, you, are you calling her out or no? <laughs> 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 hey, I call him out. You know? Yeah, she that's right. One point, she escaped a one-point match. So, uh, you know. <laughs> yeah, I just try to get things fired up between people. That's just the kind of thing I do. So. <laughs> All right, so going back to wrestling overseas, what's 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 your favorite place to wrestle besides the United States? Where where other than the United States is your favorite place to compete? Um, The environment in, in Russia is always incredible. Uh, but... One of my favorite places that I've competed at was definitely the Youth Olympic Games in Singapore, though. Um, just because they, they filled the stadium, and, and, and I remember, like, little kids from school came, and they were supporting us. So, uh, yeah, and really, you know, those European countries, everywhere is huge except for the, the U.S., you know. these. You know, when I went to the World Championships as a training partner in 13, Hungary was was packed that, you know, that, that stadium was filled with, with fans and they couldn't wait to get anybody's autograph. Do you find that 
overseas that women's wrestling gets the same hype and attention as men's wrestling? I would say in some of the countries, it gets more. It gets more, you know, wow. fame from it. Um, you know, these people, especially, you know, obviously Japan, they're superstars. Everyone, you, you even say Icho, everyone everyone knows who you're talking about. Sure. Um, you know, and, and there's certainly some things that we could do better, and it's it's hard to pinpoint what exactly is why, why you know, why is women's wrestling lacking still? And, and why is wrestling in general lacking? And I often compare it to like the UFC and, you know, they do such a good job of, you know, promotion. And obviously they have the, the funding for that, but also the athletes do it. And I think that's one of our biggest downfalls is that the athletes were just not doing enough. And I'm not saying that every single person has got to get on their Twitter account and, and start trash talking people, but you know, if you if you want, you know, if people want the funding and they want to go overseas and train and they they want the cool uniforms and they they want they have always wants, but you know what? Start winning the medals, right? You know, I can want the cool singlets and I can want the shoe deals all I want, but if I'm not bringing home the medals, I have no room to talk. And so, you know, it's it's putting the work in and it's it's self advocacy as well. You know, if, if I want people to know who I am, well, to start, I'm gonna have to start telling people. And, and start performing and backing up whatever I'm saying, and then more people will tune in. I think you're absolutely right. Um, I will, you know, you talked about the athletes promoting themselves, and, you know, you know, you said not not specifically saying getting on Twitter and, and shit-talking and whatnot, but, you know, I'm going to throw a guy's name out there that does a lot of shit-talking on Twitter. You know, everybody knows who Pat Downey is. Um but yet when he wrestles, everybody's got his, got their eyes on him when he wrestles, you know, so he's kind of self-promoting. Exactly. Um, but there's a there's a reason why a lot of people want to, to, you know, why when he wrestled Gabe Dean at the U.S. Open, why there was, you know, if people just crowded around that mat watching that. Um, I don't think it was necessarily because of Gabe Dean. I think it might have been because of Pat Downey. I agree. Sorry. 100%, 100%. And that's it's just what we're lacking. You know, I'm all about being humble in the sport as well sure. and being a good sport. But you know what? Like when wrestling, it's not a delicate sport. You know, it's combat. If, how can I want to, like, I see these girls all the time and they're like hugging each other and they're like playing around before the match and after the match. And it, it honestly, it pisses me off because I'm like, wow, you know, to me, I'm like, these kids just aren't taking it serious. And it, it's not to say that I don't joke around before my matches, but I'm not joking around with my opponent. And and it's it's funny to me because I see, you know, everyone at like weigh-ins and everyone, to me, you know, half the wrestling world is fake. You know, everyone's trying to act like everyone's best friend and everything's so cool and collective and calm. And it's like, that's not real. Like for one second, just – you know, put the bullshit aside and, and be real. Like, no, I mean, I'll, I'm going to, you know, today I can talk to you, but tomorrow I'm going to want to kill you. And I'm not trying to be your friend right now. And, uh, you know, like, it, it just it. makes me laugh when I see this. <laughs> yeah, no, I, th- I think we need more. I think we need more of that. I think that, and we're starting to see more of that. We're starting to see kind of the heels on Twitter that are coming out and they're saying what they're going to do. And then, you know, they may or may not always do it, but at least they're out there and making it interesting. For sure. Exactly, and you know, at least they're, at least they're putting it out there. It was funny because when I saw Jen Page after she had lost, and you know, she her, you know, her knees is is banged up, and we were just talking, and I was like, I was like, man, I'm I'm pissed. I didn't get to wrestle you. I thought we'd have another, you know, showdown because you know we have these ridiculous matches, and, and people would actually crowd around our matches because you know we were both 
trying to kill each other out there. I mean, one match at the World Team Trials, I think there was like 40 points on the board, you know, 20 <laughs> points apiece. Like, it was ridiculous. And, you know, because we weren't going out there playing patty cake. We were trying to kill each other. And it became this cool rivalry. And, you know, we can joke about it, you know, afterwards. But when we are on that mat, you know, we are taking it serious. And so, you know, that's what I'm saying. Like, people, they don't necessarily have to get on Twitter. But if you want, everyone's got all these wants. But, you know, you see these UFC stars and all the ones that are making the money or getting their name out there or getting the fights that they want, they're putting themselves out there. That's and, true. you know, they're hyping themselves up. And I think that's just like, it's just something that we're lacking. It, it, you know, we all, we all put it on, well, if women's wrestling just had a media site or, you know, someone writing articles or, or wrestling did this, but it's like, no, what, what, you have a Twitter account, you can do it. You know, if you, if you've got beef with someone, you know, be real. I mean, like, to be honest, no, I'm pissed. I, I should have went 60 kilos in a sense of, you know, I want to try, I want to try to knock the world silver medalist off her throne for sure. Um, I didn't do it. I should have, you know, been on the world team at 63 kilos. And I can say all that, but if I'm not going to the gym and, you know, putting the work in, like, it's going to be a rude awakening. <laughs> and so it's like, you know, you got to find this line between, if you want to talk the crap, I hope, you know, I hope you're backing it up too. <laughs> do you, do you think our podcast should start shit talking other podcasts to kind of get <laughs> pumped up? <laughs> Cause I'll do it. I'll start shit talking them right now. <laughs> I'm three beers deep. I'll start shit talking everybody. <laughs> the people's champs of podcast right here. Right? That's right, baby. <laughs> We're the people's champ. <laughs> All right. Exactly. Yeah. All right. I'm gonna let's get get back on a serious note here. These next couple of questions are: We've had one other uh, women's wrestler on the podcast. It was Julia Salata. Um, it was a great experience for us. Um, got some really nice insight, <clears throat> and I asked her these same questions. I, I want to get your your opinion on them as well. So, th- the first one is is basically look, women's wrestling has really grown, at least from my perspective in recent years. I think from where it was in the early two thousands to where it is now is night and day. Um, give me your perspective on the growth of women's wrestling since you've started. I mean, undoubtedly, it's it's come a long way. It's 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 everywhere and it's more it's certainly more accepting um you know and i and i attribute that to a lot of the, the females that you know came before me i'm fortunate enough that like you know my role models were like patricia miranda and uh you know christy davis and 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 these studded you know these these awesome wrestlers and um you know, at that time it wasn't even an olympic sport and then in, in 2004 it was and you know now we have our first olympic champ so it's certainly come a long way, but in in the same sense, there's still a lot of work to be done. And I'd say that all across the board as a wrestler, as a, you know, in the sport of wrestling, there's, there's still just a lot to be done, you know, and when we had that scare of almost being out of the Olympics, that, that shook everybody up. And now we're trying to, you know, change our single colors and we're trying to change the mat colors and trying to tweak the rules, but you know, at the end of the day, what's going to get wrestling out there is getting out there and wrestling. You know, like the way I wrestled this weekend, I know that, like, why would somebody watch that unless they, they freaking love me? You know, like, why else would they tune in for a 4-4 criteria? That, that's just not enough. And so, for me, 
you know, the only way that I feel like I could change wrestling is if I can just keep getting better as a wrestler. And so if I become a better wrestler and I'm scoring more points, you know, that's going to be more likely that more people are going to watch. And if I can get out there and I can do a podcast and I can do these clinics and I can talk about wrestling and maybe somewhere, some girls like, you know what, I think I'm going to keep with it. Even though the boys make fun of me, you know, and, th- and that's how we slowly change the world, right? Just a little bit at a time. So I think that's a great segue into this next question. Do you, do you feel that women wrestlers are viewed equally to men in the eyes of the those in the wrestling community and by that I mean our media, our coaches, our national team members, our fans, our national team coaches, you know, etc. No. <laughs> I mean to put it in a simple answer, no. I think, you know, I've seen some uh you know, what always interests me is that like our our almost previews for wrestling our previews for the women are always like garbage. Like they know, um, I don't know. I mean, not all of them. I'm sure they put some, you know, backup information into it. But what I, what I noticed with the men is for instance, when it when everyone thought I was going to be like Logan Seaver versus Jordan Oliver, they were like, you know, they talked about Logan, they talked about Jordan and they talked about their past rivalry. You know, they started giving almost all these matches on reasons why you should watch it. And, and I noticed we do a great job, like Flow Wrestling does a great job with these high school kids, you know, these high school boys specifically, on, on these matches. And they build it up and they put like these, you know, flashy headlines. And all of a sudden I found myself watching high school boys matches from like 2008. And I'm like, what the hell am I doing? You know? And it's like, I look on social media and it's like, I don't see that for the females. Uh, you know, I don't see anything. There's no, I mean, there's a couple previews, but it's just very dry and, you know, it's not interesting. Like, I'm in the damn preview and I almost don't want to finish reading it. Um, you know, <laughs> so it's like, yeah, we've come a long way, but we still got a long way to go. And I, and I don't think we're, you know, I, I just, I, you know, I, to be quite frank, I, I don't think it's the same, you know, every match on every single person, they have a background story on these people, you know, you got some of the not even top guys with like maybe sponsorships or, you know, they got shoe deals, you know, whatever it is, you know, like, they just get more, more credit. And it's like, it's frustrating. And it just, to me, it's like, well, you know, I can bitch about it or I can try to, you know, just keep getting better, but certainly there's still a difference, you know, and, and like five point moves doing a great, great job with Deca because that was something we were lacking. And I think, I don't, I'm not sure, I don't know the guy who does that, but I think his content is, is great and his, he writes really great articles on the Greco guys. And I just think that's something that we need for women's wrestling. So how do we get to, um, how do we get to the same level as Japan in terms of, you know, stardom and coverage for women's wrestling? Medals, you know, <laughs> put it simply, right. We got, we got to win, you know, to get coverage, you know, to get coverage and to get promotion and to get these deals, you know, we need to start winning. So, so how do we start winning? Cause it's like, you know, we train our asses off all summer and Terry Steiner puts us through freaking hell. So why, why aren't we winning? There's gotta be something we can tweak. And maybe there's little things of like during the camp we can do initially, but ultimately to get better female wrestlers by the time they're in college, we got to start them younger. And that's why I think that Wyoming seminary with Aaron Vandiver, yes. I mean, I, I truthfully, I think that's going to be a great thing for the future, but it, 
it also almost makes me laugh because, you know, we had something like that. You know, I was a part of the USOC program. And if you look at anybody who went to the USOC program, they were successful. You know, like myself, Aaron Golson, um, Aaron Claudio, Helen Rulis, Adeline, Veronica, like all these people, you know, Randy Miller, they all went to Northern. Yep. And it's interesting. It's like, you know, what's, wow. what's the common denominator is we all went to Northern Michigan. We all started wrestling freestyle younger and we all had a coach that made us, you know, believe that we were the best every single day. Um, and, you know, fortunately, unfortunately that program like ended because of funding and whatnot, but those are the programs we need. You know, we need these girls to start wrestling freestyle at a younger age. And we know we need to get them these exposures because when the people overseas, they're wrestling freestyle from five years old and they're closer to these other countries. So they can just bounce around and get better training partners. So what do you think about like, uh, you know, women's wrestling? So you didn't wrestle college obviously what do you think about the uh i forget what it's called it's wcwa yes mm-hmm. I, I mean is that kind of a step in the right direction i guess is my question i mean i guess i can't really speak on that behalf right because i, I mean i never wrestled for you know i'm part of the wcwa and i wouldn't change my path at all i mean i think i became a better wrestler because i wrestled with the olympic education center and then ultimately the training center um I, I think just the better, the more depth in our country, more girls will have at all these colleges. So yeah, in the you know it's like ten years, ten years down the road, I'm sure things will be different because it won't just be like one star at one college. You know, like King King's got a good lineup now. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, and certainly it's gotten a lot better. And if you look at it, like the OCU used to be incredible. Like those girls were. You know, you had Michaela Hutchinson, you had Melissa Simmons, Ashley Hudson, like they were all on one one team. And so I think the more depth we get, the more we'll each each team will have better wrestlers instead of just like one star at each college. Yeah, you're not the first person to say that either. In your in your opinion, how important is it to get girls wrestling sanctioned at the high school level? I mean, it, it it's 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 everything. It's it's a step in the right direction for sure. Uh, not to say that I, I don't think girls have a lot of benefits wrestling boys because that's what I did. However, I was thinking about it because for a long time I was like, well, I think girls should wrestle guys because I think it makes them better. I couldn't understand states like Texas and Hawaii just because I thought their girls weren't as good. I thought I felt that I was better than them because I wrestled boys, even though they got to wrestle boys, I'm sure, like at high school practices. And then I started to, you know, when I was talking to Sally and just, and Catherine and kind of looking at it. And I realized that, you know, I left home young. And so I didn't wrestle the boys. You know, I had, I remember I had to cut a lot of weight to wrestle 96 pounds to even compete with the boys. And so, and then I went and started wrestling females. And so I would say my opinion certainly has changed. And I think that, you know, it, it has to get sanctioned. And so that, you know, cause I think when you start wrestling boys all the time, I think you get a little discouraged and, you know, you're, you're undersized and, mm-hmm. and testosterone, and it's just a little different. I think it's great that guys and girls certainly should train together, no doubt. But I think at the end of the day, you know, we need to get this sanctioned, and it's a step, you know, those are the steps we need to start taking to grow women's wrestling. Yeah, for for sure. I mean, I would think that tra- girls training with boys is can be very beneficial. I think that girls competing consistently yeah. with boys could – cause a decline in numbers or prevent certain girls from sticking with wrestling or coming out for the wrestling team. I think getting it sanctioned at the high school level might actually just grow that, you know, that, 
that part of the sport more, get our numbers up at a younger age, at least in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I would, I would completely agree that, you know, competing against, you know, boys all the time, I think it would be discouraging because it's, you know, I was successful wrestling boys, but I definitely did not win every single match. And, you know, I can remember being in Jersey and getting like spit at, and I, you know, I, and I can remember like it was, you know, as much as I have good stories about how supportive my community and, and things were, like I can also remember going to a wrestling camp and and boys being inappropriate and and that being yeah. discouraging for me, being like, why, you know, why should I keep doing this? It's um so looked down upon, um and and some girls might crumble because of that. You know, for me it was being stubborn and wanting to prove everybody wrong, but for someone else it might be like, you know what, let me just do a normal sport, right? So are you involved with any organizations right now that are helping with the growth of women's wrestling? I know you've talked about Catherine and Sally Roberts, so I, I would assume that you might be involved with uh, Wrestle Like a Girl a little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I try, I try to, you know, I'm always bouncing ideas with Sally and, you know, and I, I actually, I'm, I've kind of been waiting for uh, like to see pictures from the tournament to see, because I actually, my singlets from this weekend had the Wrestle Like a Girl logo and so, uh, you know, that was obviously something of just trying to promote it as well. Awesome. Um, but, it, you know, Wrestle Like a Girl, it, 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 it blows my mind because I remember sitting in Iowa with, or I'm sorry, Georgia with Sally Roberts, and we were at our military training camp, and then we were going to Iowa for the wrestling camp. And I remember we were sitting there, and we just started talking about all these things, and it just started as a simple idea, and Sally was just like, you know, because I don't know if you ever talked to Sally Roberts, but she's like, a million words in a freaking minute. And she started having all this passion about it. And to see from that conversation, we're talking January, 2016 to where wrestle like a girl is right now is incredible. You know, like maybe, you know, Sally didn't do what she wanted to do in wrestling. Um, but to think about her other goals, you know, just because she had this one freaking idea and this one thing about how she could sort of try to help women's wrestling and to see how far she's come, you know, that's that's freaking motivating me because it because that was one of the first conversations that I you know we had together. And to think that it started from that and to where it is now, I mean, that's pretty freaking cool. I could not agree more. And I have said this before, and I'll say it again. I think anybody out there that their goal or you know is to to grow wrestling hashtag grow wrestling wrestling if they are not at least reading or following or, you know, learning about the wrestle like a girl organization. I think they're really doing a disservice to themselves in my opinion. Um, I agree. I, I, yeah. So Jenna, we've had you on here for about an hour. Um, uh, again, I really appreciate it. I've just, we're just going to wrap up with just a couple of questions, some personal questions, if you don't mind. Um, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> <Works> for me. <laughs> um, it's evident just from your social media presence that autism awareness is very important to you. I, I know that you said that your brother has, your brother is autistic. Can you, can you talk to us about that? Just kind of your, you know, what that means to you, what, what type of involvement you are with that? I mean, it's, just like I, you know, just like I talk about everything else, you know, we want to grow wrestling, but we got to start talking about it. And that's, that's how I feel about autism. And it's something that I've obviously hold near and dear to my heart. And I, ha- I got the autism awareness ribbon when I was, I think, 16 years old. Um, and that's something like I've worked with the Autism Speaks um, Foundation and things like that. And, and unfortunately, I can't do it 
too much stuff right now because I'm wrestling and working, but, um, you know, those are some of my goals. Like I'm a wrestler, but there's also a lot more to me, right? You know, like when I'm done wrestling, I would like to be a counselor and work with like PTSD soldiers, but I also want to be an autism advocate and I want to, you know, there's so much that parents just don't know and they kind of feel isolated and they feel, you know, like maybe other parents are going, not going through it. And, and luckily with the, the social media today, more information out there, but I always think back to like when my parents were starting out with my brother, you know, almost like 30 years ago and there just wasn't, there wasn't really the internet like that. And so they did feel like they were crazy and everyone in the grocery stores looked at them like they were crazy. And to think that my parents fought these battles every day, trying to, you know, understand my brother's rights and understand, you know, what he should be getting. And and they fought for, you know, my mom was able to get my brother one of the first speaking devices that, that ever came out actually, you know, for autistic kids. And, and I think, you know, you want to know why, you know, I'm passionate about what I do. My family's always been passionate. And so my mom worked really freaking hard on making sure my brother had everything, all the tools. So just like she worked hard for me to be the best wrestler, she wanted to make sure my brother could be the best, most, you know, independent human that he could be. And so, yeah, I'm always out there tweeting about it and, and talking about it because, you know, I feel like, I feel like, you know, my brother was put in my life for, you know, for a reason. And, you know, I, I want to try to help other families as much as I can. You're, your parents and your brother um, sound like great people. I mean, just from listening to you speak this last hour, they just sound like absolutely fantastic people. I agree. <laughs> so, all right, let's go ahead and wrap this up. Um, question, favorite thing to do outside of wrestling? Tweet. No, just kidding. I, I, I like to go on <laughs> hikes with my dog. <laughs> so speak, speaking of tweet, okay, so Brandon and I on the last podcast, we're trying to figure out – what the hell the word bay means? I think we're too old for it, but you've tweeted that or something before. What does that mean? What's a bay? What's a bay? Okay. Okay. What's a bay? So I think technically it stands for before anyone else. Um, oh, and I, I never realized I how stupid our society. I'm pretty sure. I, I, I never realized how stupid we sound until I was in Russia and one of my, one of the Austrian wrestlers asked me the same question. She's like, I always see you guys talking about bay. What is bay? And I said, I said it. Wait, wait, wait. Face. How did she sound? <laughs> Say it again. <laughs> don't, don't make me do it again. Yeah, do it again. Do it again. <laughs> so basically, <laughs> I don't even know. All right. But what is it? What is a damn bay? Damn millennials and their, their lingo these days. I'm a millennial. Are you really? Yeah. Hey, Jenna, I'm a millennial. I'm the last, like, I'm the last year that they were millennials. So I'm young and hip, dude. <laughs> You're anything but. Thirty-three-year-olds are millennials. So what is it? Sorry. I mean, it's, it's your it's your boo. It's your significant other. What's a boo? <laughs> oh my god! Don't do this to me. I thought that was a ghost. <laughs> she said significant other. Oh, significant other. I think it's yeah. babe, but they're too lazy to put the B in there. Is that right? You know. I'm telling you, Google. I'm pretty sure it stands for technically before anyone else. That's dumb. Do you have a before anyone else? <laughs> do I? I do. I do. Do you want to? Do you want to shout them out? Shout them out. <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't. I don't. I don't think I'll keep my private life private. All right. I've well, learned that. I've learned that's the best route. He better have some good <laughs> plans for your birthday coming up then. 
<laughs> you, you, I, I, I do. Don't worry. All right. all right, Jenna. Well, listen, that's all we got for you. You know, thank you so much for coming on, talking to us for an hour. Um, really, really appreciate it. Um, uh, obviously you're looking, you know, everybody's looking for more followers, you, you know, uh, more of a following people. If you are on Twitter, you can follow Jenna at queen JB 93. Is that correct? Actually, actually, it's the it's Joker JB now. Oh, it's Joker I've, I've, JB. I've changed. So what is it? Yep. Mm-hmm. At Joker JB. Yep, that's it. <laughs> okay. Hey, you need to update your personal website then. Okay. <laughs> I know. I know. I'm slacking. <laughs> Seriously, slackers. <laughs> All right, no, all kidding aside, thank you so much for joining us tonight. We wish you the best of luck uh, in the future on, you know, your Army endeavors, your wrestling endeavors, and everything else. Appreciate you much. Thank you, uh, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. All right, take care. All right, bye-bye. All right, so there you have it. That was Jenna Burkett, representative of the Army World Class Athlete Program. Um, you know, fourth place finisher this weekend at the world team trials, obviously not the results that she wanted. She's had a heck of a career thus far. She's been a senior world team member, a three-time junior world team member, 2017 U S senior nationals champion. Um, obviously you can tell that she's, she's disappointed in the way her weekend went, but but she's not done. No, she's definitely not done. I think that she's going to come back and, you know, we hope that she comes back even stronger, you know, but you know what, regardless of wrestling, you know, in life, I think she's a winner, you know, and what a family. Without a doubt. And what a family does she come from, man. I mean, if, if every little girl that wanted to wrestle had the family familial support that she's get, she got, I tell you what, wrestling would be growing, continue to be growing by leaps and bounds for women. So I don't know, you know, what the future holds for wrestling with her. I'm sure she's going to continue to wrestle, and I'd love to see her, you know, get the uh, World or Olympic gold medals. But regardless, I think she's going to be a contributor in society and contributor to women's wrestling. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I don't think I could put it any better myself. Again, we were very fortunate to have her on tonight. Listen, guys, find Jenna on Twitter. You can follow her at the Joker JB. And uh, while you're at it, why don't you find Wrestle Like a Girl's Twitter account as well and follow them? That you can find them at, at W R S T L E Like a Girl. So it's wrestle, basically wrestle like a girl without the E, right? Correct. You got it. Hey, I could spell. Ha! <laughs> you can do Baby. one thing. You can spell. Yeah, I got it. I heard this, man. So this was a great time tonight. You can sing. And uh, <laughs> happy, uh, happy future, happy early 24th birthday to Jenna. I said I was going to sing to her. So happy, happy birthday, dear Jenna. Happy birthday to you. Dude, that was amazing. Yeah, I told her I would sing to her. She just I didn't say I was going to do it when she was on the phone. That was amazing. She, that's a little treat for her later. Great job. Like, you know, when she finishes the podcast. Great job. All right, guys and gals. Again, that, this has been episode number 25. That's all we got for you. Hope you enjoyed it. And if we can offer you one piece of advice, don't wind up on your back, bro.